and welcome to On A Lighter Note podcast, a place to learn all about perinatal mental health. I'm your host, Frankie, a peer support worker from Light. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we've got Olivia joining me. Olivia is a really good friend of mine, actually, and we have been friends for a few years now. We met at baby group after Olivia's second baby was born and my first baby was born. Olivia is a mum of three and she is a massive advocate for being open and honest and sort of trying to lift the stigma around perinatal mental health. And uh, that is probably why we get on so well. (laughs) Olivia also um, worked with me on some hypnobirthing work when she was pregnant with her third baby. So thanks, Olivia, for chatting with me today. So let's start with your experiences of mental health, wherever you want to start from, really, whether that's from before uh, pregnancies or, or what. So before any pregnancies, I was diagnosed with generalised anxiety disorder. Um, I've always been a person who's been anxious. I've always been somebody who has struggled in certain situations. Um, I don't particularly, I've never particularly been able to identify a trigger other than when I feel overwhelmed in whatever capacity that might be, then I start to begin to feel anxious. Mm. But also, I'm somebody who functions highly when anxious mm-hmm. so I think that that is easily misconstrued or it's like this person works so well under pressure yeah. when actually it isn't it's just part of my anxiety so I do function I've got three young children I function incredibly well under pressure I don't ever feel like I'm not under pressure but I also feel like I am always working at a sort mm-hmm. of baseline level of anxiety but yeah. I feel like that is kind of almost parenthood as well and that's mm-hmm. kind of an issue there that's something that we're led to believe that it's something it's normal to feel like that it's normal to be yeah. well it is normal to be overwhelmed but we're led to believe that it's okay to be overwhelmed that it's okay to feel anxious because we all do mm. yeah but is that okay yeah do we have to feel like that yeah because I don't believe that you do have to. I just feel like it's something that makes it easy for people to brush off how you're mm-hmm. feeling when people don't want to deal with it. Yeah. One thing that I found I've encountered a lot with mental health because of I am so open about it and I decided it wasn't going to be something that I was going to shy away from or something that I was going I was never going to nullify how I feel mm-hmm. to make other people feel more comfortable because if that's what we do. Yeah. You bump into somebody, they ask you how you're feeling. You're like, yeah, great, fine. And then you go crying to your mm. steering wheel of the car mm. silently so the kids don't hear you. And you mm. and I just thought, why am I doing this? Like, I'm not going to lie to people about how I'm feeling. So after I had my second child, I was quite suffering really badly with PTSD, which mm. because we were in lockdown and I couldn't access any support at the time, manifested then as postnatal depression as well. Mm. And if I used to ever bump into people on a walk or anything, they'd say, How are you feeling? I'd say, Horrendous. Yeah. And people would be like, Oh, right, okay. <laughs> and they'd be like, Oh, yeah, you're tired. And I'd be like, No, I'm really depressed. Yeah. Like, I'm really depressed, I'm really down, and I'm really struggling with my emotions this mm. time. Because when I had my first baby, I was 
I couldn't have found it any easier yeah. or better. Yeah. So to be suffering so severely yeah. after my second was really horrendous. Yeah. And I and it, it couldn't have been any polar and opposite to how I'd previously felt. Yeah. Yeah, I was exactly so the same. Yeah. So you just it's just such a shock to the system, yeah. especially when you've got your kids close together like we have. Yeah. It's just yeah. it's just one of those things where it hits it hits harder because of you feel like why do I feel like this this time? Yeah. Why can't I take this time? Is it having two? Is yeah. it me? Is it that I shouldn't have had another baby? Like, am mm. I not cut out for this? Because a couple mm. of months ago, I thought this was all I was cut out to do. Mm. Um, it's just a difficult thing to process. But I made the decision in life that I was going to talk about it, and I wasn't going to stop talking to make yeah. other people feel better. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it's so brave to do that but then once you start doing that it's almost impossible to stop then so hard but equally I have people literally so I'll have people on Instagram because if I'll do stories about how I'm feeling mm. I've put posts on mm. I've been so I, I couldn't be more open yeah. about how I feel when I'm feeling it yeah but because of that the amount of people that I have messaging me saying I feel like this too and I just haven't felt ready to speak about it and the amount of people that I can identify it in Mm -hmm. now that I've struggled literally in the street in a supermarket queue anywhere I'll never forget we went on holiday just after I'd had my third baby and I was stood watching them playing in like a splash parky area type of thing Mm -hmm. and there was a lady stood next to me and she had such a vacant look on her face and it just broke my heart because yeah. it felt like I was looking at myself okay. and she had this tiny baby in her arms and she was watching another child run around and I was like mm. this is her new second baby this yeah. is this is her experiencing mm. you know to some level potentially what I did she could yeah. have been absolutely fine and I yeah. said to her oh have you, is this your second baby and she said yeah yeah I said how are you finding it and she was like yeah great it's really good mm. and I was yeah. like is it though? <laughs> and yeah. she was like, yeah, it's fine. I said, and I said, when I had my second, I said, I was a mess. I found it so hard. It was mm. horrendous. And she said, it's so hard. Yeah. I said, it is so hard. Like, it's yeah. okay to find it hard. Like, it's okay to be having yeah. the best, worst time. Like, yeah. you just need to talk about it a bit. And she, yeah. I said, have you spoke to anybody? Do you talk to anybody about how you feel? Mm. And I was just talking to this lady whose name that I didn't even know. Yeah. And she was just telling me, sharing, and she said, not really, no. And I said, well, why don't you start with your partner mm. or somebody? And she was like, I think I need to. And I was like, I yeah. think you need to. It's not yeah. an issue. But I, I see it in people yeah. all the time. And it's, who else is there to see it in people? Yeah. It's... If I can see it. Yeah. Who, why aren't why isn't everybody and that's kind of the problem like when I so after I had my second um obviously you know I had an accidental home birth Mm. which was great in so many ways I'll never forget used to bump into people and they used Mm. to say to me oh I really wanted a home birth you're so lucky Mm. and it wasn't that I'd never wanted a home birth it was just I totally wasn't prepared for what was going to happen and the way in which everything worked out for us wasn't yeah it it wasn't a comforting warm experience for us yeah and then as a result of that I kind of felt like I was I knew I would be in shock and everybody kept saying 
you'll just be in shock and I was definitely in shock yeah. and I felt that yeah like and I knew that and I'm very good at internalizing and vocalizing how I'm feeling mm. I was like I will be in shock and that's fine yeah. also with my first birth I had every drug I could I was like give them all to <laughs> me so I was very yeah they were polar opposites away yeah. from what you know I was what I felt was different how I felt was different yeah. everything was totally different whereas with this I didn't even have time for a paracetamol so yeah. I think that was a shock as well because I was like oh my god I've done this before but I haven't done this before yeah, yeah. and it was mm. just so different so it was once she was about three days old and somebody said to me how are you feeling and I said I actually don't feel very well mm. and I was really upset and when I look back now I think it's obvious and I know I obviously wasn't very well because mm. when the when the health visitor came mm. to do the first check like the day after mm. she'd been born she came and I was exclusively breastfeeding and the baby was maybe maybe a day old just over and I'd gone to the next town to mm. take off firstborn to pets at home to try and make her buy a hamster yeah yeah <laughs> so and the health visitor came and she was like where's mum and they, my husband was like um well she's gone to pets at home to buy our daughter a hamster yeah and I think she's going to buy some paint so she can decorate the living room yeah yeah and this was what I did so by the time my second born was three weeks old my husband had a month off I had fully decorated our entire house that yes. we'd moved into when I was 20 weeks pregnant. I literally have photographs yeah. of me, like, still looking, like, heavily mm. pregnant because mm. she was four days old, hanging wallpaper. Yeah, I do remember lots of pictures of your freshly tiled kitchen thinking, yeah. Olivia, you're not okay. <laughs> <I> no. <laughs> well, you've been in my living room. It looks really good to say that I did it, it post Do you know what? It looks, the house looks beautiful. It looks great. Great job. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like you said at the start, and it's so, so common, and I know I have it exactly the same, high-functioning in those actually really dire situations where you are drowning inside, but you are on this high-alert, high-functioning sort of um, behaviour. For others, they think, oh, she's cracking on really well, isn't she? And exactly. it's, it's, you know, and I think with women, in my experience anyway, with women, that really does seem to be the case, and... Um, through my work, the majority of the people that I speak to have got jobs and they've got jobs that they're really successful at and they, they're quite high pressured jobs. Actually, I would say the majority of my caseload are teachers or work within the NHS. Um, yeah. And uh, maybe it's about um, being expected to give and give and give. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe it's not. But it, it's just, it's so common. And then we expect ourselves to be able to keep going all the time. Everyone else expects us to keep going. And actually, if we were just sat not getting out of bed, not doing anything, people would go, hang on, I think there's a problem here. Exactly. When I first spoke to the GP after I'd had my second, mm. um, so I spoke to the health visitors multiple times and our area was going through like a huge shake up at the time mm. of how they were running the maternity services. Um, our area is also very understaffed, short staffed. Mm. You mm. don't really regularly get to see your midwife. Yeah. Um, I don't think I saw mine ever with Astrid, mm. um, who's my second. And 
just feel like I had no bond or relationship with anybody. Yeah. I feel like there were a lot of warning signs, i.e. 24 hours after birth, driving yeah. 10 miles to the next town, yeah. you know, it, it just, for me, you know, a lot of people wouldn't even be out of hospital yet. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And these were things that weren't being identified or picked up on. And actually, mm. I then that afternoon rang them and said, I'd like you to come back. I'd like to speak to somebody. Mm. They didn't come back because they didn't have enough staff. Um, and I rang several times mm. to ask for help and support and mm. to say, I'm struggling you're failing me Mm. I'm asking you to help me and the kind of response that I felt like I was getting from them at the time was that because of I have suffered with my mental health for a very long time Mm. and because I'm able to verbalize incredibly well how I'm feeling why I'm feeling that way um and explain it it's like oh well she knows so she doesn't need help yeah and it's just and because of I can identify those feelings and and then behaviours in myself. It's like, mm. oh, well, she knows that she doesn't need the help. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really sad. And I feel like that's mm. the way a lot of people are. Yeah. And and to say, I'm not okay and I need some help is so hard. So Especially when you are not used to that and you are used to the one cracking on with it and actually you're the one that other people turn to when they need help. It is so hard to make that phone call or to say those words. So when that's dismissed, it just makes you think, well, there's no help out there for me. And that helplessness that you feel is just overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it is. And it's also worthlessness of, mm. do I not deserve help? Mm-hmm. Am I not bad enough? Yeah. Is this not, am, am I not Yeah. feeling ill enough for you to help me? Yeah. Do I have to get worse? At this point, I'd been asking for help for quite a while, and Astrid mm-hmm. was four months old, mm-hmm. um, and they they basically had put me, had told me to self-refer for talking therapy, so I did that, and I got to the top of the waiting list to be told that I needed to speak to somebody who specialised in maternal mental health, because if that wasn't them, and they wouldn't be able to help me, mm-hmm. so I waited I think it was about six weeks for this conversation mm. in which Astrid was then five months old yeah. and when she was five and a half months old we went into the first lockdown yeah yeah so I was then left kind of alone right. with these feelings and emotions sorry my dog's I've just seen someone walk past <laughs> but yeah I was left alone with these feelings and emotions to sort of deal with them independently and had no idea really what was going on was already in a weird state of depression and yeah. trauma yeah. and had no help no support nobody yeah. to talk to and no baby groups or anything to yeah. go to anymore yeah. so I felt really abandoned and lost um yeah. at which point I was regularly ringing my GP regularly asking what support I could get yeah. the only help I could be offered was phone therapy yeah um and because of the traumatic incident occurred in my home I didn't feel comfortable doing that yeah so it was like okay well that's not what you feel comfortable with then there's nothing that we can do for you yeah and that was when we hit the end of the line yeah as we came out of lockdown and things started to ease up a bit um at the end towards the end of summer and Mm. everything was starting to resume I'd been I'd been 
referred to a mother and baby unit to be an outpatient to speak to the psychiatrist there mm-hmm. um at which the appointment was on I believe it was the 18th of September and my daughter turned one on the 25th of September yeah so she said I'm really sorry mm-hmm. in a week's time I'm not gonna be able to help you anymore yeah. because your baby will be one yeah so most NHS trust policies will only give that um perinatal maternal care up until your baby is one um at light we support up until your baby is two but yeah isn't that just heartbreaking so sad yeah because of when you have your first child mm. I do think that they always feel older than what they are because you've got nothing to compare yeah, to. Yeah. But when you have subsequent children, yeah. our second baby, even though we have a third baby who's actually still a baby, yeah. our second baby, we still call her the baby. Yeah. Because yeah. you just, they're so young still. Yeah. yeah. And it's su- still such a weird time and such a huge adjustment. Mm. It's so bizarre. But. Mm. So I couldn't access the help. So I did refer myself to talk therapy, but. I was very lucky to have friends like yourself, a few other friends who have suffered with their mental health. I I think, you know, when you said at the start about you being very open about your own struggles, your own mental health, how you're feeling yourself, I think that is what, you know, is what drew me and you together and a couple of our other friends. We all met at that baby group and, you know, we were all sat there and we were just honest. We were the mums that went, oh, this is really shit. (laughs) And, you know, like, I'm knackered and, like, this is not what I wanted. And, you know, what? and we were just quite open and honest, which was scary to do. But then as soon as you realise someone else feels like that, you then have that connection and that bond. And I think sometimes it's funny. I always see a meme that says, like, you know, some two mums are at baby group and one's talking about a third degree tear and how long it's been since she's had sex. And then the other one says, oh, what's your name again? <laughs> because I know, you just become so I always close. say to people, you know, like, I'll bump into somebody with their kid in the supermarket and my mm. husband will be like who's oh who was that then and I'll be yeah. like oh that was Emily's mum that was Lucy's <laughs> mum that was yeah. Reggie's yeah. mum like yeah. you just don't it's like you literally know the ins and outs yeah. of people's vaginas before you know their name <laughs> exactly but yeah it's I... like being it's like a membership to a weird club isn't it yeah. like none of us I don't think anybody fully understands like how important birth is until you've done mm. it even if you know you don't know like yeah. I have a very good friend who is a midwife she's very high up in what she mm. does she's been mm. doing it for years and years mm. and she and I used to say to her do you think that when you have children like it'll change the way you work and she was like absolutely not like that it really shouldn't because mm. of of course it shouldn't like you should yeah. just be doing your job she's recently had her first child and she was like I am absolutely different at my job <laughs> yeah yeah I it just really think you know it. it's going to be the biggest thing you know it's going to be mm. a huge deal you don't appreciate that fully mm. until you've done it and that yeah. can sound patronizing but it, it isn't it's just mm. true like it's just mm. you can't grasp it until yeah. it's something that's happened to you whether it's yeah. a great experience whether it's an awful one whether it's like yeah. mediocre whether you just forget about it and carry on like it's yeah. such a massive thing like it's huge but these are the things that aren't spoke about enough it's all Mm. about how much you love your baby and Mm. what you're going to call them and you know oh have you got your clothes what pram have you got yeah yeah and it's not ever about how people have prepared I'm very firm with my friends especially Mm. one of my friends has recently had a first baby Mm. and 
I don't think I've ever met anybody who was quite as knowledgeable as like pre and postnatally mm. how things can happen, what things can go wrong, mm. what things can go right. Yeah. Um, because I was just like, whatever you do, just be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where I feel like I struggled. With my first, I did a hypnobirthing course. It was with, at the time, it was sort of a very, it was like, obviously, it's, a, it's not a new concept, yeah. but in, in the small town in which we live, yeah. there was one person who I could do it with who lived in the next town along that, like, that was it. That was the only person. And then the next place we could go was, was Sheffield, which mm. was too far for us. And we wanted somebody who we could, like, come to our house and mm. do it. The lady who we did it with was great. She was very knowledgeable, but we didn't connect very well. She was older. She had, she'd, she'd never used hypnobirthing in practice. Um, herself which for me I was just like I, I can't I don't feel like I can fully trust what you're saying yeah. there was just something we just didn't click um, and yeah. she was lovely great I learned a lot but but we personally didn't click together mm-hmm. um, and still what I learned through that and what my husband learned through that to be a supportive birth partner to me was 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 invaluable it was mm-hmm. fantastic mm-hmm. and a lot of things that happened in my first labour wouldn't have happened or mm. wouldn't have gone the way they did, which was a, which was a very positive experience for both of us. Mm. If it hadn't have been for my husband advocating for me on my behalf, he was fantastic. Yeah. And Frankie knows my husband well from yeah. teaching us hypnobirthing, and she knows he he is a very supportive dad mm. and birth partner. Yeah, he's mm. great. Um, so when we we had our second, we were like. We don't need to do these things because mm. we already know what we're doing. I've already done it once. We can kind of just employ them. I kind of like dipped in and out of like little bits and bobs of prep, mm. um, but didn't really focus on anything. And I feel like just not being prepared yeah. Yeah. was such a huge deal and had the biggest impact on me, yeah. which is why when we decided we was going to try again for another baby, my biggest concerns was, how am I going to be mentally after this? Like, mm. I know the statistics. I know that mm. I've suffered with it before. It's mm. going to happen again, mm. probably. I'm probably going to be even worse this time. Mm. Like, last time it's PTSD and postnatal depression. What else is it going to be mm-hmm. this next time? Like, if anything goes wrong, I'm not going to be able to cope with it. And life is going to just tip me over the edge because of I was literally in the pits and I was mm. so scared mm. of going back to that place. Yeah. So me and Craig was like we need to get prepped from the get-go so yeah. straight away yeah. I referred myself to the perinatal mental health team and asked my midwife to support that for me and write a supportive statement which she did so I was straight away under perinatal mental health from mm-hmm. like I think from like my booking appointment and um, we did that I also was put under Kay Walker who yeah. Frankie has recently done a podcast <laughs> yeah. with he was fantastic she was so helpful Kay's so she angel, yeah. is a mental health midwife specialist whereas mm. the nurse that I saw was a mental health nurse so it was like a great team because of I had Kay who could be really supportive and be like tell me what your concerns are and I had so many concerns as Frankie's aware one of my biggest triggers was I was absolutely petrified of a cesarean section because I feel like that was the last thing that I could have had happen in a birth that would be out of my Mm. put me in a situation completely out of my control again I've had an unplanned home birth I've had an induction I've you know I've had an assistance delivery etc etc so I was like the last thing that can happen that I can't control will be that I have 
a C-section. And she was like, okay, well, you need... And she could go through all the physiology, all the yeah. different ways that I could prepare that. And whereas the mental health nurse that I saw would be like, how are you feeling? I'd be like, mm. I'm really scared about having a cesarean section. And she'd be like, okay, well, how can we rationalise this? Yeah. So it was a great team because if you kind of got like from both sides prepped for it. Yeah. So yeah. they were brilliant. I saw them both regularly throughout my pregnancy. And also I was like, I need to get myself prepared because... I decided that last time I had an unplanned home birth and that was such a huge trigger for me mm-hmm. and I now I never would have planned a home birth before because I was definitely one of the people who was like I won't be able to do that mm. and I was like I've done it now I know that I can do it yeah. I'm gonna fix what broke me mm-hmm. by doing it again mm-hmm. which I feel like was a real scary yeah almost borderline not yeah. stupid I don't know how to yeah. word it like it's, it was very brave yeah like it could have Everybody gone was, either way <laughs> it really could have yeah but I was like I need to do this and yeah. when I decided that that planned home birth was what I was going to go for and I was going to do hypnobirthing and it was mm. going to be a positive birth and we was going to be prepared to do it on our own if mm. nobody got there again if yeah. services were short I was fully prepared with this baby to free birth. Yeah. I, if I'd have been told that mm-hmm. the services were short, yeah. I still would have had my baby at home. So free birthing, just in case anyone doesn't know, is when you birth your baby without um, a midwife or any medical um, assistance there. Um, so that's what free birth is. But yeah, Which is kind of accidentally what we had yeah. the time before. Yeah, which they call born before arrival or BBA. If you ever see that on notes or whatever, that's what that is, where... You know, you you aren't planning to give birth without anyone there, but it happens that way. Or if you're on the so car on the way or whatever. Yeah. So our second was a BBA. Yeah. So when we was pregnant with our third, I was like, I'm doing everything differently. Mm. Had always found out baby gender. Didn't find out the baby's gender mm. just because I wanted to do everything differently. Yeah. And I was like, I've done that before. I'm not doing it this time. <laughs> and everything was so different. Like we mm. did hypnobirth with Frankie. Mm. It was incredible. You are an excellent teacher. <laughs> And you know how much it means to me yeah. what you helped me with mm. this time round. Mm. It was incredible, but I'm not going to go too much into that because we don't we don't talk about things like that. Yeah, we don't. We're not nice to each other. <laughs> no, that's not the kind of friendship we have. Yeah, we can't give um, each other compliments, otherwise we need loads of therapy. <laughs> yeah, we don't. I can't afford that right no. now. No, <laughs> <laughs> but I really threw myself into this to yeah. the point of where. My first baby was back-to-back, so I was like, that isn't going to happen. Yeah. How do I need to sit? So from being, like, 18 weeks pregnant, yeah. I would not sit anywhere other than, like, upright, forward, open. So I was basically yeah. on a hip birthing ball the whole time or yeah. went over a countertop or I was in the car with my car so far, my seat so far back, yeah. I was driving, like, leant over my belly <laughs> because of, I was constantly, every minute of every day was about yeah. preparing myself, preparing my body for the for the best birth that I could possibly yeah. have. and. I really threw myself into it and I am it's one of the things that I'm most proud of myself for in life because of I couldn't have prepared myself any more for yeah. what we had. Yeah. And so we went into labour. So my second was a BBA because she came so fast. Um and we just totally weren't anticipating that we would have a labour that fast. So from first twinge to a being here, it was an hour and 45 minutes, whereas my yeah. first child was like 
over two days mm. waters broke two days before she was born it was a whole other thing so we really wasn't prepared for a quick labor because we didn't think that that was yeah. in my realms of capability yeah. um so third baby woke up having twinges was like this is labor i know it is mm. and i was like pray get filling up the birth pool he had a incredible lift that was wrote <laughs> Frankie when she was having her own birth yeah. which I then transferred and used for my partner so Craig was using that lift to what he needs to do what he needed to get set up mm. and I laboured upstairs listening to every time I have a baby I think I'm going to listen to really nice calm music every time it's offensive rap music so I was listening to Dave um, and just like in my jam in my room just mm. rapping like yeah absolutely fine like bossing it mm. half past second seven comes both my other girls wake up they come into the bedroom so they're in there with me like mum what are you doing why have you got pants on what's dripping out your leg <laughs> how many other fluid girls get on with it come on yeah mum I think you're weird I'm not I yeah. might be I don't know <laughs> so they left and I came downstairs into the living room and the most beautiful birthing mm environment that Craig had set up for me it was really incredible it was so nice and we've been told several times that home birth wasn't home birth isn't on right now but if you can just hold off <laughs> a little while yeah. then somebody from the community team will be able to get you okay yeah great I'll just I'll yeah. hold off great yeah. thanks <laughs> so got into the birthing pool and the midwives rang to say that a taxi was coming that comes first with the home birth to bring all the equipment and um, oxygen gas and air etc um, and the taxi was on its way and they were coming and they would be about our local hospital was about 15 minutes away so they were like we'll be 10 to 15 minutes at which point both me and Craig knew they weren't going to get there before the baby was born mm-hmm. um, and literally a few moments later I said to Craig I am pushing I'm yeah. pushing Craig yeah. I'm pushing I'm pushing at which I looked into the hallway and he was stood like grasping his hair shaking his head and I was like what's wrong and he was like not again I was like no Craig you, you can do this I was like you've got this Craig you can do this <laughs> while birthing yeah my giant <laughs> baby's head in the pool he was nine pounds six and a half um and he pulled it together came through and he was great really helped me as the baby was born neither was bothered to look what the gender was totally forgot Mm. midwife turned up she was like oh my god the baby's here what did she get and we were like a baby and she was like no what gender and we were like oh right yeah i was like oh my god a boy i have two girls so it was a huge shock and it was just the most healing experience of my life and I really do think, like, with everything, it is knowing yourself, it's preparation, it's mm. talking about things, it's advocating for yourself. Yeah. And I could only do those things for myself this time because yeah. I've been broken before. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I talk about this all the time, that my PTSD from my first birth, my postnatal depression and anxiety from my second after my second daughter, I had such shame and guilt and embarrassment about those things, even my miscarriages that I'd had, I had such shame, you know, it was, I would never want anyone to know about any of those things. And now, if I hadn't have had those things, I wouldn't have had this amazing birth that I had with my second daughter. I wouldn't have this amazing job that I have now. I wouldn't have the amazing friends that I've got. You know, it's actually what I once thought was the most shameful thing 
in my life has actually been the best thing that has ever happened to me. And although I would never say have another baby to fix your baby wound Mm -hmm. because that is not good advice, we knew we wanted another baby. We always knew that our second wouldn't be our last and it was about preparing ourselves the best that we could to make sure that I didn't struggle again yeah if we did it again yeah um so we really did employ everything everybody i know who has mm. suffered in any way shape or form mentally after having a child who wants another i'm like what are you going to do yeah. because of although doing everything doesn't mean you might not yeah. suffer again i could have suffered again who mm. knows you don't know yeah but if i hadn't have put any effort in then if i hadn't prepared myself mentally in any way shape or form then i no, I would have struggled mm-hmm. again. Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah. about owning it, advocating for yourself. Like other people aren't going to do it for you, and yeah. that's the saddest lesson that I've learned yeah. through my struggles with mental health is knowing that mm-hmm. it's my mental health, not other people's. And although other people care, yeah, it isn't them that's awake at night. They aren't yeah. struggling to yeah. live with my mental health with my anxiety that's me even to some extent my husband you know Mm. he can't feel how I'm feeling Mm. as much as I as much as we're both great for talking about it we we talk about it a lot he Mm. over the decade past decade has got very good at recognizing Mm. when I'm not quite right and questioning it and also knowing even if I'm lying to him he knows you know that something's still not quite right but you know, even for him, he doesn't know how my mental health really, how it feels for yeah. me. Yeah. He could be sympathetic, but it's very hard to be empathetic if you haven't been through it. Yeah. Which is why when I see a mum and I can see in their face yeah. that they're, they're having even just a bad day, like, yeah. I want to be there for that person. Like, yeah. I want to help you. Like, I don't want you to feel like this. And also, I don't want you to think you're the only person to have felt like this because mm-hmm. of... I don't know many mums who, Mm -hmm. even if they haven't suffered with like a mental health condition, hasn't had periods of time where they're like, I don't know if I can do this forever. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is a massive thing to commit Mm -hmm. to. And it's a huge deal, you know, to to know that you're going to parent when you have kids, that's it forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're going to be there. Mm -hmm. And with my second, I found that so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, this time round, it's just like, I love them being little. And don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, well, me and Frankie have a group chat with our mums and <laughs> we'll not disclose some of the things no. we're saying there. <laughs> but we all have hard days and we yeah. all have rum times with it. But it's it's knowing that it is a phase. There are other people there for you. There is support out there. There are other networks out there. I wish that the area in which I lived mm-hmm. had like I wish okay. I'd known about it before and I I feel like for me knowing that other people were feeling how I was feeling yeah would have been yeah I, think, I mean I'm not saying I'd have been grateful that other people feel how I was feeling yeah. but it would have made me feel more comfortable in myself yeah. it wasn't just me because yeah. when you are in that moment sometimes you do forget that it isn't just you yeah yeah I think what we sort of created ourselves through sort of meeting at baby groups and having a bit of a whatsapp group was that peer support 
without it being a formal peer support. So we were basically each other's peer support workers before we had jobs that were peer support workers. Um, And that for me and my experiences, I got more from my friends at that time than I did from medical professionals. And that was massive. And it's like all sorts of things in all walks of life. Like Mm. you will know this from like what I'm saying now, but the people in our like friend group, there are different ones of us Mm. who we would go to for different kinds of support as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I get, it goes back to that you taking ownership of how am I feeling and what do I need? What do I need to do now? And that's can feel really overwhelming and really difficult. And when you are so, exhausted with responsibility of being a parent the last thing you want to do is then take on responsibility for your own mental health and you know making phone calls and doing this and that but actually it's it's a massive step to go right what do I need to do now whether that's okay I'm pregnant and I want to plan a different type of birth or I want to you know really focus on trying to you know avoid the anxiety that I might have felt it's going what do I need and how am I going to support myself to get that help and like you say it's sad that that's not just sort of there offered to us we have to seek it out we have to make referrals we have to send emails and make phone calls and you know whether that's with friends sending a text to a friend or a phone call to a medical professional there's something about that ownership and you doing it for you which is actually really really rewarding I think the difference of once you're on the flip side of it as well is I will never ever forget the shame I felt mm. when I had my second daughter mm. of being heartbroken and mm. having to ask people to help me. Yeah. Like, I will never forget the phone call. I will never forget it. And I feel so sad for that person that yeah. I was of where I rang to ask for help in mm. tears, mm. begging somebody to help me yeah. because I was broken. And I mm. felt so ashamed that I had to make that phone call. I felt ashamed mm. that I wasn't able to just get on with it. Mm. I felt ashamed for so many different reasons. Yeah. But when I'd been through that and when it was about preventing that happening again, yeah. when I was pregnant with my third child, I'll never forget feeling so empowered to yeah. say, I know you have a waiting list and I know you don't think I'm an important person mm. to need to see right now. I want to be on your caseload because if I am not going to be missed again and this yeah. isn't going to happen to me again and that wasn't my fault that was your fault yeah yeah and that isn't going to happen again this time yeah absolutely and I felt so strong and mm. empowered and mm. so because if it isn't you yeah yeah and recognizing that I remember that feeling of just being like oh my like this is all me and mm. this this I've created this this feeling, these feelings and this is all me and it isn't you mm. it isn't you yeah yeah I think having these sort of conversations and I hope anyone listening to this who you know they might have felt some of the similar ways to how we've might have felt really hope that this can bring that sense you know when you just feel so lonely so lonely in it because you don't even recognize yourself let alone think anyone else has ever felt like that I just really hope this can bring a little bit of comfort to others that go oh do you know what I've felt that or I've thought that because these conversations are so important so I mean me and you talk about it all the time and I know our children will grow up understanding mental health understanding the impacts of parenthood and birth and other other events 
because we are so, so open about it. But I hope this maybe encourages others to be a little bit more open. And it's okay. It's okay to be open in front of your children or, or others. Absolutely. My children know when that you get sick, you can be poorly in your tummy, mm-hmm. you can have hurt your bone, you can yeah. be unwell, you can have a runny nose. But they also know that sometimes, and I think that it's massively important, mm. they know that like I don't feel very well inside my head, which yeah. is what we say. Yeah. I don't feel very well with my feelings. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And they know that because of children feel it, especially yeah. children more than anything else when they're mm. learning to develop, they're learning how to handle their emotions. Yeah. My kids have breakdowns daily. <laughs> yeah. So do I. Yeah, <laughs> we all do. But, but so, you know, yeah. but they know that, like, they know that they're having big feelings and so yeah. does mum. Yeah. yeah. Like, mum has big feelings. And, and you want them to see that, so see that in you so that they can then show those feelings and they're not you know I know my parents generation it's very much suppress it all and crack on you know you don't show emotion you 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 know you don't you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger was like the thing in our house and yeah you know that and I've said this quite a few times before that is actually probably what caused me so many problems (laughs) now you know why I need so much support but I want my children not masking it I don't want them to think oh you just suck it down and carry on and whatever like Actually, no, you want them to go, I can tell mum or I can have a cry or I can have a whatever. I can tell, you know, my family how I'm feeling because if you can't do that, it really does just sit there and linger and come out in other ways. And it's not always about it being wrong. It's about, like, wording, like, Mm. what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. No, Mm. if you do work through it, you know, and Mm. it's like, what doesn't kill you if you work through it talk it through yeah go to therapy put mm. the effort in yeah work hard to you know emulate that in all aspects of your life yeah will make you stronger yeah yeah but sucking it up bottling it down yeah. and cracking on it yeah. won't no no thank you so much i mean i definitely feel like we might do another podcast um episode because we have so much to talk about. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for sharing all this. I really hope this, um, you know, even if one person listens to this and it resonates with them, I really hope it helps others. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being so open and honest. No, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it, as always. This is like listening into one of our casual phone calls that we just have. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> No, thank you for having me on and thank you anybody for listening in and uh, if you if it is something that you're struggling with then mm-hmm. do reach out to other people to other agencies and do ask people to support you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for listening to On a Lighter Note podcast, brought to you by Light, a pre and postnatal peer support charity covering Sheffield, Rotherham, Doncaster and the surrounding areas. If you feel you'd like to learn more about light or any of the topics discussed in today's episode, please see the links in the episode description.